This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and for the summer months on the Bobcast, we are taking a trip down memory lane with student-athletes and coaches from the past. This week, we catch up with Colleen O'Brien, a multi-sport star from the class of 1992. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Colleen O'Brien starred as a women's soccer and softball player during her time as a Bobcat. She was a two-time All-American in women's soccer, leading Bates to the 1991 ECAC Championship with her game-winning goal against Smith College in the final. Playing third base, O'Brien helped lead the Bates softball team to multiple winning seasons as well, earning regional All-America honors in 1990. O'Brien went on to play some pro soccer in Sweden and the United States. Today, she joins the Bobcast. I graduated from Medfield High School in Massachusetts, which was a relatively small public school and hadn't, you know, spent much time outside of that town. I was a a small town girl for sure and had, you know, pretty competitive soccer experience and very competitive softball experience in high school. We would move into tournament time from the postseason, but uh, softball particularly. I, I My sophomore year, I went to the state finals for Division Three softball. I had a total dynamo coach and we didn't have lacrosse at the time or really a ton of spring sports. And so all the fabulous athletes played softball and I had come from a pretty competitive softball experience, but soccer was really my love. And I, you know, I definitely knew I wanted to play college sports and, and felt like going to a small school would allow me to do that. Um, Although I did consider some division one schools for soccer But, you know, soccer was different in the 90s. The 91 was the first women's World Cup for soccer. And, um, you know, there just wasn't, it just wasn't the same as it is now. I think it's much more competitive. I think young people are much more skilled and um, have early experiences that sort of help them progress as athletes um, in all sports, but certainly in soccer. And so I knew I wanted to play college sports and I also was a good student. And so the NESCAC schools were definitely on my radar. I don't know. I don't quite remember how I learned about Bates, but, and and I didn't know anyone that had gone to Bates in in my, you know, in my world. So I looked at Middlebury, Bates and Bowdoin and Colby um, and applied to all of those and had a particularly awesome interview at Bates. And it's sort of a funny when you're 17 and you don't totally know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, You know, some things are just gut reactions. And and also because I'm kind of a relationship person, I certainly think that connecting with the person that I connected with at Bates made a difference. As shallow as it seems to pick a college based on an interview with one person, it definitely it definitely was a decision maker for me. I can't remember who I was interviewing with, but she was a Bates grad and she was an athlete, a track star. And, uh, and so there was sort of an instant connection there around athletics. And certainly that was a big marker for me in terms of what felt right. I also was not much of a test taker and Bates was one of the few schools at the time that had an optional SAT reporting. 
so I opted out of that and I think it made me a much more favorable candidate because that wasn't necessarily a very good indicator of who I was as a, as a student. And so it worked in my favor in terms of, of applications. And yeah, so Bates became really, I, I sort of waited. I don't, I don't know as I really knew like, wow, that's my first choice, but I definitely, it was one of my choices. I, I really, I, I thought about other schools and I had applied to one division one school, Boston college and was waitlisted there. And I don't know totally why, but um, I wasn't like a, I wasn't recruited there. So that didn't, the sports thing didn't work for me there, but um, having, you know, they probably have a lot of people that apply from Massachusetts. And so I, I didn't bother to wait for that, you know, to, to come to fruition. And so I chose Bates fairly soon after I was accepted. And it sounds like, did you not really connect with the coaches themselves until after you got to campus or how did that work kind of? Yeah. You know, again, I think in those early nineties with, you know, being, I think probably the first generation of title nine women that had had like a full lifetime of sports experiences. I definitely was maybe in, it sounds so funny to say it, but I think Diane Betcher and I had mailed <laughs> some correspondence to each yeah. other because um, there were no computers either. I mean, you just didn't communicate that way. And so, you know, I think she, she was clear. She knew that I was coming. She, she knew that I was interested and I had, I think like the funniest experience probably was sending my VHS tape in the mail <laughs> to her. And, you know, again, like you didn't make recruiting tapes back then. Um, and so, and then, you know, I think the same was true for, for Sherry uh, Deshane. I, I think she knew I was an athlete that was interested in playing, you know, recruiting was totally different. I mean, I, I, I would always love to hear about like what that must've been like on the coaching end of things, but um, you know, as a woman, as a bright athletic woman, you didn't, you didn't choose like sports over an education in 1988. It was, it was like you, you know, the goal was to get to the best school you could get to. And, and that was very true of the, of my peers at Medfield High School. People go to college, 99% of our population were college bound. And, and so, you know, it was, it was important get an education. And that definitely factored into my, my choices for colleges in general was like, I'm not going to be a professional athlete, um, although I wanted to be. Um, and, uh, and so you chose your education and that Bates was an amazing place to do that. Yeah. And, and then Diane Betcher, you, you mentioned her, she's the first, she was the first women's soccer coach in the program's history. Your first year was her last, but tell us about your memories of, of her, her in that, in that final season for her in your first year. Yeah, you know, as a freshman, I think, you know, everything seems a little bit wild and woolly. I don't, I don't have like remarkable memories of, of Diane other than I know she was a really committed soccer coach. She seemed to have, you know, great relationships with her players. And, um, and I, you know, I played my freshman year. I, I was, I don't believe I was a starter, but we had my incoming class nine of us were freshmen on that team that first year my first year team which is you know was nearly half of the of the team and there were um you know sarah carruthers and michaela corkery and beth widman all had been kind of like superstar high school players for their for their teams and that again like 
put that in context of, you know, 1988. But ironically, we were all like very similar players and, and very competitive people and, and good athletes. And so, uh, you know, having so many of us on a, as freshmen on a team, um, I'm sure was, and, and, and to be at the level, I think that we were, was, was a good, it was a good pick for Diane. Like she, she got, she got some good players, I think in, in my class. Diane wrote me lots of recommendations in my life and she's been a good, you know, I I don't have any contact with her anymore, but she was a good committed coach. I think she went to Davidson after, I don't remember where she left to, but yeah. So we had, you know, we had a lot, I had three coaches in four years. So that was definitely a, a, you know, a lot of change for a program, but you know, luckily we had a good solid group of people that stuck with a four year playing program. Right. So your second year, Brian Schachter, only one season. Uh, what do you remember about uh, Brian Schachter? Yeah. Sort of, I remember most about Brian was fitness was like definitely a characteristic of his coaching. I mean, I don't know as I've ever been as fit as I was that year. Um, you know, we did a lot of physio, like physiological testing, not, not like fancy, but more like we were always taking our pulse and we had a pretty good sense that we were, you know, probably the fittest, fittest team on the pitch. And, you know, that, that sort of sticks in my mind. Um, I had a a lot of sort of good players above me um, for years, but not to the number that my class had. I mean, I don't think any other class had as many players on the team as we did. And so, you know, as that group of nine traveled um, and stuck with it, we definitely had a pretty powerful team those later years. And, and Marty was my, my last, my junior and senior year coach. And she was really uh, like super technical coach. Like I think she really brought out the best in us in terms of technical skill. Um, we were also quite fit, but the difference between Brian and Marty was really that Marty integrated fitness with technical, you know, performance. And, um, and that was pretty powerful. You know, she was, she was a colorful character for sure. Um, Marty and for whatever reason, like we were very tight under her leadership. The team was very tight and very close. And I think, you know, she was a winner and, and I think we, we sort of rose to that occasion as a group and she was part of that for sure. Yeah, I was going to say the first two years, you know, six and seven, then six, seven and one. But then your junior year, Marty Kingsley's first year as head coach, 11, two and two ECAC semifinals. And then your senior year, 12 and three, and you win the ECAC championship, defeating Bowden two to one and Smith one nil. I was, I was reading right. some articles about that. That was at UMass Dartmouth. Some Bates fans bust down to the matches. Uh, I read about that and how the first, I believe the Bowdoin match ended in a shootout and Smith, you had the lone goal in the Smith match. So tell me about the experience of of playing in ECACs. Uh, First, I guess you got your feet wet junior year and then winning it your senior season. Well, I know for sure that NESCAC schools were not allowed to participate in the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, again, like, I don't know as I was watching or paying attention to all these details. I just, you know, I like just wanted to play and I was very intense, very competitive. I still am. (laughs) Um, 
And so like, to me, I don't know if I was paying attention to like the NCAA thing or the ECAC thing, but the ECAC experience was the, was the, that was like the highest we could go. And so, um, you know, my junior year, we played Williams. I believe we lost to Williams at Bates in, what was it? The semifinals? Uh, semifinals two to one it says yeah yeah and that was a really frustrating game I was um you know I definitely was a goal scorer and I got completely shut down in that game and that was like really sad (laughs) um and ironically later on in my life I ended up meeting that woman I uh who had covered me in that game and she became my roommate and is one of my really good friends um and so so that was, I said, hi, I'm Colleen. And she said, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> and so that was, you know, that was hard, I think, to lose to Williams. We, I don't, I don't know as we had played Williams in the regular season. And we knew they had a very competitive coach and a very competitive program. And so that was definitely, uh, you know, to lose to them. I think they ended up winning that year, um, I think. And so, you know, that was a great experience. But then my senior year to have, to have, you know, sort of that in, in hand at the end of a, of a really awesome season was pretty, pretty special. You know, that goal I scored in that game was pretty wimpy. It wasn't, I have a good memory of, of that goal. It was like one of those, like, maybe a miss hit, you know, or just not a good crack. And uh, it was one of those, like, backing up kind of wobbly. <laughs> I remember going in and thinking, oh, that's good that that just went in because the game itself was, and that was, that was in the Smith game, right? So we had to get through Bowdoin um, and had, right, we had a shootout. And so that was, um, I have good memories of those days. Really good. That was, uh, that was really the highlight of my, of my career at Bates for sure. And, uh, and sort of like, for me, I think jump started a whole uh, interest in playing after college. So I did end up playing in Sweden for uh, for a short time. I actually blew my knee out my senior year in softball. Mm. A base runner hit me in my senior season of softball, and uh, I had just gotten a sort of a contract, a mini contract in Sweden, and blew my knee out right after that. So. I ended up going to Sweden and playing for about six weeks with a partially torn ACL um, and then blew the rest of it out there. But it was a really positive experience. I just saw uh, one of my teammates from Sweden last summer, which was really pretty great to sort of have 30 years pass and and have that still be a, a big part of my life. So that was cool. You touched on softball. I mean, you had the same coach, obviously, there all four years, Sherry DeShane, long time. Uh, Bates softball coach. Uh, what are your What are your memories about Sherry and what and what she was like as a coach? Uh, I interviewed her a few weeks ago. She still lives uh, here locally, basically. So. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So you know, I told you that my high school program was pretty competitive. So when I came to Bates, I, you know, I'm a small person. I wasn't like a a big a big home run hitter or anything like that. But I had pretty pretty solid foundation skill foundation, and so I played my freshman year. I was a starter my freshman year. I don't quote me on that, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, so I was a third baseman and, um, 
you know, I, I loved, I really loved softball. It, I sort of laughed my, no, no one in my family likes baseball. And I'm like, it's such a great game. Um, and so, you know, again, I think, you know, I don't, I th Sherry was a good solid coach. She was there for a long time. I did not play my junior year, but I, I played when Michelle and Rachel were both um, players. They were juniors, I think, when I was a freshman. So I had two years with, with them. And uh, Michelle was a pitcher. Rachel was shortstop, I believe. Um, and that was a really, I mean, those two women were really pretty amazing athletes. And um, Rachel, I would say particularly because she was a multi-sport athlete. She was a basketball player too. Uh, and she was like, she was tall and strong. She, she played in the Olympics actually, I think after. She played handball in the Olympics. Yeah, she played um, for Team USA. Never got into the Olympics, but she played for Team oh, USA. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. All right. So thank you for clarifying that. Um, so that was really, I mean, those, those women were pretty, pretty amazing to play with. And, you know, it, I think that, uh, you know, didn't have the same kind of feel for me as soccer, because I think we had so, I had so many of my peers playing soccer, like all my friends, my freshman year were my soccer teammates. Um, and there was a little less population, like, uh, influence. Like we just didn't, I, I think I was maybe one of three or four freshmen my freshman year. So, so I think that personnel switched out. So maybe not quite as rich and long lasting an experience for me, but certainly a, a really positive experience. What did it mean to get all America honors? Uh, when you got it, what was that like to get that? So early as your time at Bates. Basically? Surprising for softball. I was really surprised by that. I mean, I was a super scrappy player. So I, I think I had a lot of steals. Like I was really good on the base path. I always, almost always got on base. I could bunt, I could hit and hit and get on base. Um, I mean, that was like surprising a little bit. Um, with soccer, I think, um, you know, that was, that was super, again, sort of super special to me. I mean, soccer was really my, my deepest, greatest love. Um, and, um, and so that, you know, I think my junior year, I was like second team. Um, but yeah. my senior year, I was first team and that I went, I ended up going to the banquet in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania that year, my, with my parents and with Marty. And that was a pretty, really special thing. I, I was, um, you know, I, I went to that event and basically met all the people I had competed against for years in Division Three soccer. So that was kind of cool for me. I think there was a woman from Williams and a woman from Connecticut College who, who we knew each other because we were always hearing recruiting notes about those women. And so that was pretty special. I mean, that is definitely like my greatest achievement, <laughs> athletically speaking. Although, you know, going to Sweden was cool and I ended up playing for the Boston Renegades for two years, two summers, uh, which was sort of the pre-women's professional team um, out of Boston. But I sat on the bench. So that wasn't like, a, you know, I wasn't like scoring tons of goals there. But I was training with them and, and playing years and years after, after Bates ended. So. So you went to Sweden first and then came back and played in Boston? Okay. Yeah. So after I graduated from Bates, I, I moved to Sweden and I lived with a host family and I played in the division two program there. Um, and then came home, had my knee repaired. I coached for UNH for a year as an assistant for the women's soccer team there. Um, and then after that, I, 
I was not in coaching for, uh, for many years, but, um, well, that's not true. I, I moved to Seattle after that and played, I played almost seven days a week, soccer, seven days a week. This is after my ACL reconstruction. And I coached for a, for a club team there. And then I've done quite a bit of coaching since then. Um, right now I'm coaching my son's, my nine-year-old son's team. Um, my first foray into boys soccer, very different than women's soccer. Um, and that's been a really positive experience for me. I've done some middle school coaching and um, club coaching, but, but my dream would have been to be a high school coach, but it's hard, you know, it's hard to be a teacher and to be with other people's kids all the time and then ignore your own children further by coaching <laughs> someone else's kids. Um, and so, you know, I had two boys and um, one of them is a soccer player and super, super loves soccer like I did. And, um, but, you know, I'll continue to coach in sort of a less primary role and I'm a teacher. So I, I definitely, I'm definitely around a lot of young people who are playing, playing the game still. For sure. Um, at Bates, you mentioned obviously two-time All-American in women's soccer. It looks like you were teammates maybe your first year with Bethany Maitland. Uh, yeah. she, was, she was the first All-American in yeah. women's soccer program's history. What do you remember about her and what she brought to the table, kind of? Yeah. Bethany was an amazing player. She was from Massachusetts, Beverly, I think, Beverly, Mass. And, um, you know, she and I played similar positions. So when she was on the field, I was either filling in another place or, or spelling her, giving her some relief. Um, yeah, she was, she's really probably one of the, best soccer players I've ever met. So who were some of your most memorable teammates, whether it be soccer or softball? You touched on a few of them, like Michelle Farrow and, and Rachel Clayton in softball, but who were maybe some others? Yeah. So I think we, um, there were, there were three teammates that I had that were pretty special to me. So Beth Widman, who uh, was, was a freshman when I was a freshman. She, she and I graduated together, really amazing, super scrappy, little, you know, little player that like seemed big on the field. Um, so, you know, definitely, definitely her. And then Sarah Carruthers is one of my really dear friends. And she, uh, she was definitely, she was from Wellesley Mass and, and really probably one of the most, like, she is the super fast, super determined player who, who I think we, she and I played really well. We were attacked players so she and I spent a lot of time finding each other on the field and so that that definitely is special and she and I are still very close um and then Michaela Corkery was our was our center back sweeper and she uh also is uh, was was and maybe still is but definitely was a really amazing defenseman and um and really saved us I would say a lot <laughs> in the back um so those are definitely my 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 three special picks for sure great you mentioned marty kingsley was a bit of a character tell me about what made her a character yeah i think i think marty's leadership was to maybe be a little bit to, for there to be a little adversity with her and and that <laughs> that brought us together i think that was definitely a skill of hers um you know uh, she she had us in the pool 
Um, so sometimes she would put us in the pool and we'd have to play water polo, which is totally impossible, um, like a sport. And, uh, and then in the off season, she had us playing squash. So we would set up appointments with her and, and play squash against her, which was all about, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a squash player, but it was a lot about footwork. And, um, and I think, you know, she just had some, she had some like non-traditional fitness, you know, plans for us that I think, um, you know, just made us all around good athletes. And I think that was pretty important. The, uh, the thing that I think you had asked a question, um, in the questions you sent me about like what I was doing in the off season. So starting my freshman year, I spent every Friday night or nearly every Friday night playing with the men, um, in the cage. Does the cage still exist? Yes. <laughs> um, and so my freshman year, I would, I would go, I don't know how I had the kahunas to, um, to do this, but I just would go and play with the men. And um, it was a quicker game for sure and a much more physical game. And I think I really, um, Sarah would often go with me, Sarah Carruthers, um, and maybe some other folks too. Beth was a, Beth was a, a, a skier, a competitive alpine skier. So she was often, uh, you know, not available during, during, uh, the off season, but Sarah and I would spend a fair amount of our Saturday nights playing with the men. And I think that really made a big difference for us. It was, uh, you know, like a super ballsy thing to do <laughs> as a freshman. And I think that, that, that was maintained. I think maybe, I think as I, we got older, we were then supporting a women's indoor program. So in the off season, I think we were playing in the cage but um, I'm not sure there was something like that for women when I first got to Bates, which is why we played with the men. Dirt floor in the cage then or no? Dirt floor. Dirt, Dirt floor. floor. Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was the coolest and strangest <laughs> building of all time. Um, but, and we played softball in there preseason. So it sounds like a lot of time spent in the cage and a lot of time spent in Merrill Gym well, with the pool and the squash courts, right? Yep. And then I, I did, I played um, all, you know, my summers, I played soccer. I don't think I played softball at all out of season, but um, I had a, a teammate actually from Bates who lived close to me. Uh, and we used to meet at Boston College and he trained, he was actually the keeper for the men's team. And he and I trained two summers, I think, as an attack goalkeeper pair, which was a pretty cool experience but Bates was a pretty cool place for me it took me a while I think academically it was hard for me and uh it was all I could do to keep myself enrolled there um but I you know that I was thinking about professors and stuff and and like I used to babysit for my professors and I I went over to Professor Murray's house for dinner I mean teachers there it was like a you know a family and I think that was pretty cool. You know, I, I didn't leave campus much. I was pretty much a campus gal. You know, I didn't have any wheels. So the idea of leaving campus and exploring Maine, which I wish I had done because Maine is such a beautiful place. You know, I pretty much, you know, with two, with two sports and, um, and, you know, school being as hard as it was for me, it was, I definitely was campus centric. 
Where was the softball field located when you played? Oh yeah, so both both the soccer and the softball field were located off, I, I think off of Russell Street, does that sound right? Okay. It was not behind the um, gymnasium. None okay. of those fields were built. I don't even know if Bates owned that land at the time. So the men's field and the field hockey field were over by JB. Right. And then the women's soccer, there was like a, a, a woodland that separated the path to Merrill Gym on the other side of that woodland, the women's soccer field was there and the women's softball field. Okay, interesting. I don't know what's there now. Well, they have some outdoor tennis courts and Underhill Arena are in that area. Okay, so, so that, yeah, that must have been consumed when they were building. Interesting, okay. What was yeah. the softball field like? Was it, was it decent or what was it just? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it was a skinned, I think it was a skinned infield, so no grass, yeah. And then the soccer field was beautiful really nice grass, really nice place to play. Wet. <laughs> it was wet. <laughs> Speaking of the bat, I mean, the ECAC we were talking about earlier, um, I understand it was pretty wet and rainy conditions for those, at least your senior year. I mean, did you enjoy playing in some tough conditions in soccer sometimes with uh, some of the weather? <laughs> well, you know, the thing about wet conditions with soccer is that it kind of equalizes teams. And mm. so, um, you know, it would work in our favor when we were playing a competitive team, but maybe not so much if we were better than the other team because it would sort of, it would, you know, I, I, um, I watch UVM, the UVM teams play on turf. I don't like soccer on turf. I think it's, I think it's fast, almost too fast. And, uh, and just, it just doesn't behave the same way as soccer. Um, maybe if you grew up on turf, you'd, you know, you know, play grew up playing on turf it would feel but I didn't I grew up playing on 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 grass and so I think the game is much more beautiful on grass and it sort of like suits the like with turf I feel like it just the ball skips faster it moves faster it just doesn't feel quite this like the same game but soccer in the in I mean I remember lots of pouring rain soccer games and that there is something beautiful about that sometimes I think we're so wimpy now. We don't like get our kids out in the rain at all. Um, you know, everything's always canceled. Um, but it's, you know, I think that you, you get, you become better in those kind of conditions. And I think we were, you know, being in Maine where the weather isn't always super predictable and you get cold. Boy, I remember some softball games where I was like, I could barely feel my fingers or they'd like plow the snow off the in you know the infield so we could play a game i mean those were not great softball games i don't think but but the soccer games you know we definitely had cold cold super cold i mean we're playing in november so cold conditions for sure um and then you know lots of lots of weather i think it's part of the game i think it makes the game beautiful so junior year your spring of your junior year you go you study abroad right you went abroad yeah. uh yeah. tell me about that experience yeah so when I was 15, I was an exchange student in Brazil and, um, and lived there, which was a totally amazing experience um, soccer-wise. Like I got to go watch some of the best club teams in, in Rio de Janeiro in this massive stadium called Maracanã. Um, I definitely thought I was born in the wrong country when I lived in Brazil. I was like, this place is a soccer place. Um, and so when it came time for me to pick a place to go abroad, I thought, you know, I've had an experience living abroad. And, um, and I was sort of just realizing 
for myself, what an experiential learner I was. I, uh, you know, I was not, I did not thrive in learning conditions in which the teacher was just talking at me and I was taking notes. And as I got a little older and I got through all those general education classes and the, you know, classes with 150 or 200 people in them, I realized, you know, I do much better learning by doing, which is not a surprise given that athletics was a really like a primary pursuit for me. And so I had heard from a friend who had done this program called uh, Sea Education Association, which is an oceanographic program accredited by Boston University in which you go uh, live on the ocean in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, which is where the, you know, one of the bit most famous oceanographic institutes is, Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, and learned oceanography, nautical science, ecology of the ocean, maritime history for six weeks on land. And then for six weeks, I sailed on a 134 foot brigantine in the Caribbean Ocean. And I collected uh, samples from the ocean. I learned how to sail uh, a sailing vessel and do uh, navigation by the stars, the moon and the sun, which was pretty amazing. And sort of realized like I really am a learn by doing student. And I think that's definitely carried over. I got my graduate degree in experiential education and environmental education on a school bus. I lived on a school bus and traveled around. It was a total hippie experience. It was awesome. 20, 20 students living on a converted school bus and studying the bioregions of the United States. So I studied the Pacific Coast and uh, all of that education was self-directed. So I'd get a course syllabi and I would, or a syllabus, and I would decide how I wanted to learn the, the end goal, you know, the end, the, the sort of goals of the class. And um, studied in the Gulf Coast, the Gulf of Maine, and uh, did some intensive studies in, in the deserts, in the Sonoran Desert. And, um, and got a graduate degree doing that, <laughs> which was really cool. And then I think, you know, by proxy, like as an educator, I am definitely an experiential educator. I get my students out tree planting and we do a lot of learning outside. Um, I've done several day overnights where we've done like ocean ecology. And so I think as a math and science teacher, I definitely realized that Learning is better when you're doing it, when you're seeing it, when it's living in front of you and moving and breathing in front of you. And it's my understanding that Bates has more of that than they did when I was in college. I think I was a psychology major. I never, I never did a blind, you know, blind study on anyone. I, I didn't ever meet anyone with Alzheimer's or who had, you know, like traumatic brain injuries. I never. I never did that. And I got a degree in psychology, even though I, I didn't really know, you know, what that really meant. Um, and I think Bates has, has done, from what I've read, has done a really good job shifting learning so that kids are out in the community and they're really like experiencing what it means to be, you know, a geologist. Well, geology always had it, but, um, you know, just getting, getting people out and, and doing the learning 
that they're, they're reading about and they're hearing about. Um, and so that junior year really changed my life. I mean, I spent two years living on a school bus studying natural history and ecology of the United States and then have, have really taken that into my profession as a teacher, which, you know, is I've been teaching for 20, 22 years. So I'll say two years living on a school bus, but you, you obviously traveled a bit on the bus for, for athletics, I imagine. So oh, that, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I remember my lugging my biology book on those trips. Oh, they're brutal. You know, we drove everywhere. There was never, I mean, we would go, we would go to Connecticut College and back in one day. I mean, there wasn't the budget to stay overnight in a lot of these things. So, you know, we spent a lot of time on the bus, a lot of time. I remember thinking, wow, in the fall with the leaves and stuff, I saw a lot of highway miles and, and beautiful, you know, colorful landscapes for sure. Did the team grow closer on those bus rides? Maybe you feel like sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, I just think you get lucky. If teams are close, I think it's luck. I mean, I, I do think you can make closeness and you can build relationships. But I think our closeness was really a function of some really committed, and again, this is soccer, soccer maybe more than softball. I mean, some really committed people, committed to the team. You know, I, I was definitely like a good player, but there were other good players on that team. And I think there was that, you know, no, no superstars kind of attitude, like, we all made each other better. Um, you know, I think had there been one person that really stood out, then maybe you would have had maybe like not as much closeness. But I think we knew we knew the role this the role that we had as individuals, and I think that that was pretty unique. And I think you know my senior year we also had we had the same phenomenon happen my senior year as had happened my freshman year, which is that half of our team was freshmen. Mm. So we got another really strong group of athletes. And I think maybe the first time we had depth and I think that made a difference because let's just say I got hurt. There was truly someone who could step in. And so I think that might have also been the secret sauce with that team my last year at Bates uh, in 91, because I think we had like another really strong class that, um, that sort of provided that depth that a team needs. You know, we had 22 players that year mm. instead of just 11. And I think that was pretty special and unique for that team. And it must have been so satisfying for your senior class to – to, to finish strong like you did, right? With a championship. Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think that freshman group that ended up doing really well after, I don't know what their, I think they had winning seasons after we yeah. left and graduated. They actually went to the, they went to the NCAA. Yep. How many times did they go? Two so or three? We have them as having gone in 1993. They went to the NCAA tournament and unfortunately lost to Williams, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then they were EC, AC runner-ups, what would have been their senior year, and okay. then kind of one down year after that, and then the team ran off a bunch of uh, uh, strong seasons, including a NESCAC title in 2005. You know, okay. Future, but, yeah, yeah, long yeah. after. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, I always wondered, like, where would we have been mm -hmm. if the NCAAs had been open to us? Um, I remember my year that I went to UNH. This is no cut on UNH, but I was like, I think my team could kick your butt. <laughs> like I really, so that was the year after I graduated and I was really pretty convinced that, that um, we could have field, we could have actually had a competitive match. And so I think that was before, you know, what I think has probably become a dividing line between division three and division one. Although I, we still go down and watch Middlebury play and they're amazing. And so I don't, I don't know as, you know, I, I would venture to guess that there are division one programs that are division three programs that could compete with division one programs. And so I, I, you know, maybe with not with men's soccer, but certainly with women's, I think still, because I don't, there's no, there's no future in, you know, professional athletics. There is, you know, there, you can play, you could play for the, you know, for the competitive professional women's team, but we're not talking about like, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people playing professional soccer after a college soccer experience. Well, I was going to ask, you mentioned the first Women's World Cup was when, around when you were in school. Uh, yeah. Was that, did it have a big impact on you watching uh, those women play? Yeah, so Mia Hamm and Julie Fowley, they're all peers of mine. Christine Lilly, Carla Overback. I mean, those are women that, I mean, that was serious love. I mean, that was super, super special for me to see like something really real come out of the game. Um, you know, I, I would, I think soccer probably did it before, you know, it was definitely before basketball. It was definitely before for women's sports. I mean, that was, those women were amazing and they, cha they, they changed, I think the, the storyline for women's soccer um, in a way that I don't think any other, sort of generation has, you know, in terms of, in terms of like that initial moment of equality to even have a women's world cup at that time with, with really like the first generation again of that title, not those title nine women, the women that had, you know, that had soccer when they were five and six years old, which my mother didn't have, you know, there was no, there was no like equality um, you know, in the fifties for sports or the sixties for sports. So, you know, I, those, I have, I was looking through an album. I have like real live pictures <laughs> of those women. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, when I was playing for the Renegades in Boston, we, um, and the women's world cup was 95, right. In the U S do you know? I think oh, it was the famous one wasn't, yeah. Was that 99 or my crazy? Well, 99 was the famous one. Yeah. So I have, yeah, so maybe it was that one where, where I have, let me think. I think it was, yeah. So I was playing for the Renegades in 99. So um, yeah, so we, we got to go and watch their trainings at Babson and we actually got to run out on the field before one of their matches. And um, as like the local club <laughs> team. Right. So that was pretty special. So the, those, those women are like, they're really my heroes. Awesome. Yeah. So um, any other thoughts on your time at Bates you wanted to share that we haven't gotten to talk about or anything? I don't think so. Other than, you know, it was a really incredible experience for me as a student athlete. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know as college would have been the same had I not played sports. 
And, and in some ways doing a division, going to a division three program was pretty special because I got to play two sports and that was, it's sort of like who I, you know, I, I struggle a little bit with the with like today's sports because I think people specialize so early and I feel like the best, the best athletes on my soccer team were multi-sport athletes. And I think there's probably no professional athlete today that would tell you that multi-sport athletics isn't like really important. I mean, for injury, it's good because it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, gives your body some other movements to do. I think it strengthens you in ways that a single sport cannot. Um, and I also think it gives you an opportunity to, to be with other people. Um, you know, had I only had the soccer team, I, I think it would have fell short. And if I had only had the softball team, I think it would have fallen short. And so for me, the idea that you can go to a, co a college and play two sports is amazing. I don't know how many three sport athletes there are out there, but there probably were some. The track coach tried to tried to coax me into a, an indoor track season, but I was like, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> um, and so I would, you know, I think for me, like the, you know, shout out to to multi sport athletes because I think that is. That's the kind of experience I think that makes you a better person all around. And it makes you, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've worked with in my life that I've been super close with that also happen to have been pretty competitive athletes. And I think, oh, that's why we get along so well. Because I think there is something special about being a teammate. And, uh, you know, I think you, you I, I draw on those, those things that I those characteristic skills all the time. And I think being an athlete is a really special thing. I mean, you could be on a concert pianist and you'd get probably the same gift, right? This idea of team. Yeah. And we live in such a like me, me, me world that, you know, I think it's pretty special if you can leave a, an athletic experience knowing that you had a role to play on that team that made the team better. One of my children does only individual sports, um, but in both cases, both Nordic skiing and in cross-country running, it's that team piece that I feel like, like sort of feeds him as an athlete. Um, and, and so, you know, in both my children, I've really, I think we've encouraged, both my husband and I have encouraged athletics because there is maybe, maybe something you can't get otherwise that you can get in a in a team sport situation. So I think athletics is an amazing, it has been an amazing thing for me in my life. In fact, as I get older, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I miss it. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll have another interview with a Bobcat great from years gone by. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.